This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. What if I told you you could change your life one breath at a time? Would you believe me? My guest today says it's not only possible, but he is living proof. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm excited to introduce you to the man who's been called the Yoda, Bruce Lee, and even the godfather of breathing. He is a modern-day teacher, healer, life coach, author, and world-renowned expert in the art and science of breath work. Dan Brule, welcome to my podcast. Well, thank you, Liz. Wonderful to be here. You have said that breath work is more important than brushing your teeth, shining your <laughs> shoes, even combing your hair. Why? <laughs> well, you know, we, um, we eat three times a day because we know we need fuel. And breathing supplies us with the most essential fuel, which is oxygen. And, you know, we brush our teeth. We take a shower. Uh, you know, that's a good way to keep ourselves clean. Breathing is a great way to keep ourselves clear and clean. And if you think working up a good sweat, getting exercise is a good idea, then breathing is way up there at the top of the list because it provides all those benefits. What you have personally taught more than 250,000 people in breath work, Olympic athletes, special forces, leading medical experts, even celebrities, including Tony Robbins. And you say there is an art and a science to breath work. What do you mean by that? Well, the science especially is catching up because, you know, the ancient art of breathing from the yoga world or the Taoist world or the, you know, the Buddhist practices and so on, they're, they're all basically intuitive. But thanks to wearable technologies and uh, uh, science these days, we can actually track in real time physiological changes affected uh, or caused by the breathing. So that's accelerated everything. So bringing the science into an ancient art has really accelerated. That's why breathing has become, breathwork has become front stage, up center in the world. It's taking over. It's the new yoga, basically. <laughs> it is. I love the fact that you call it intuitive because when I'm working with my clients, I talk about breathing all the time as being one of the most powerful and fundamental tools that they can have to speak effectively. And many times I say, well, it's instinctual, it's intuitive. I say, yes, but most people do not know how to breathe properly and effectively. And yet, when you think about babies and animals, they breathe correctly. Why don't most of us as adults breathe correctly? What happens? Well, every shock, every trauma, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, inhibits the breath in some way. If you suddenly have a shock, you're... <gasps> You know, you hold your breath or, you know, if you're trying to resist some pain, you know, you hold your breath. And so every shock or trauma that we've had puts some kind of inhibition on, on the breathing. And people who work in high stakes life and death situations, they're trained to breathe. But the average person is not, even though the average person deserves all the same advantages. Because, <laughs> you know, what happens in the classroom is just as important as what happens in the boardroom or on the playing field or on the battlefield. And the same principles can be applied across all of those uh, arenas. Exactly. 
Well, for those who are listening who might be from New England, you might like to know that Dan grew up in New Bedford, as we like to say here. (laughs) And you went to Catholic school, and you once told me that your family actually wanted you to become a priest, but you wanted to become a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, I love healing. I love helping people. And so medical just seemed like the way to go. And I think not just my parents, but generally in Catholic school, little boys are Hopefully they grow up to be priests, you know, and so <laughs> as part of our programming, I'm a, I'm a recovering Catholic. <laughs> also in your story, you talk about a very specific day in the attic of the American Red Cross building in New Bedford that ultimately led you to spend the better part of your life traveling 67 countries, studying and teaching. What happened that day? Yeah, well, the uh, the American Red Cross was moving uh, from a building they had been in for a long, long time to a new building. And so our class was sort of, we were volunteered to help pack up the place and move. And uh, right, I was up in the attic. I was packing books. They had a library up in the uh, top floor of the Red Cross building. And I was putting books in boxes. And a book just really, just literally, you know, hit me. (laughs) And it was uh, Ernest Shirtliff Holmes' book on the science of mind. And inside of that book was a smaller folder that was Science of Breath by Rama Sharaka. And I don't know, those two things just came together, packed in, and they literally were together and I didn't really put them in the box. I took them home with me. I figured they were small. (laughs) Nobody would miss them. Nobody would notice. (laughs) Every cell in my body just said, wait a minute, what is this? Mm. I don't know. I was just sort of shaken by, by the information in those very short little brochure or pamphlet. Something spoke to you, certainly. You go on to major in human development and learning at Dartmouth, and you get your master's in healing arts in Lesley University in Cambridge. What was your plan with those degrees in hand? <laughs> well, I like the joke that I interrupted my education to get a degree. <laughs> I have to confess, my major in college was using up VA benefits. Uh, I was part of the Vietnam era. I was given 10 years of educational benefits. And, you know, it takes four years to get through a course. So I had to keep change, you know, to get a degree. So I kept changing my major, started off with psychology and then philosophy and then changed to education and finally went to business. So I could use up all 10 of my years of of educational benefits. Oh, my God. And so I thought I would be armed to sort of be an entrepreneur and part of business and making education into a business. And that education was based on breathing, breath awareness and breathing exercises. And I know from just speaking with you before, okay, no MD after your name, but you did become an x-ray technician at New England (laughs) Medical Center. And in some respects, this too is another pivotal moment in your life. What did you notice about your patients? You know, I wanted to go to medical school, but when I got out of high school, I just couldn't imagine four years of college and then four years of medical school and then four more years of residency. And what it just seemed like just way too much, but I still want to do something in medicine and x-ray technician was a two year program. So it was kind of like, wow, I can very quickly start to feel like I'm really working in that field. So I went to x-ray school and one of the easiest x-rays to take is a chest x-ray. And so as a student, I got all of the chest x-rays. And when you take a chest x-ray, you tell somebody, take in a deep breath and hold Uh it and then click, you take your picture. And I gave those simple instructions, the same exact instructions, take in a deep breath and hold it. And as I started watching each person, 
everyone seemed to do something different. The muscles they use, what they went through to accomplish a full breath, what they felt was a full breath, the expression on their face. And so it was like the breath just started speaking to me. It was as if the person's mm. relationship to their breath was an expression and a reflection of their relationship to their body, to life, to the world. And so, I don't know, it was like the breath just started speaking to me and I began to just watch it and observe it much more closely in people once I tuned into that. Is that when you realized how powerful the breath was in terms of healing and awakening and, and that this was going to be your life's work? Not yet in at x-ray school, but I had got a military deferment, two-year deferment, so that I could go to x-ray school. So the Navy was waiting to take me up as soon as I got out of there, which I did. And that's when I started, through practical experience, started really seeing the, the, the two-way benefits of breath work. You could see that every time a person's physiological state or their emotional state, uh, their psychological state changed, their breathing pattern also changed. And it's very obvious. We all notice that if you're peaceful and calm and happy, your breathing has a certain quality. If you're upset, afraid, or angry, your breathing pattern has a different quality. If you're struggling versus when you're in ease, the breathing reflects that. And so that two-way street, that's when I discovered in the military that, wow, listen, every time our, our state changes, our breathing pattern changes, then every time we change our breathing pattern, that means we can change our state. And that was the mm-hmm. key for me to begin to unlocking some of those benefits and potential. I want to talk about your military career for a moment because you become this Navy deep sea diver. You're on special ops. You're doing <laughs> underwater rescues during Vietnam. And clearly breathing is fundamental to your survival <laughs> at this point. And it sounds like that that experience also really helped you learn more about the breath and more about yourself. Why did you even want to go into the military? Well, it was the lottery at the time. My number was being called for the Army. And so I enlisted in the Navy because they guaranteed me some schools and training. And I just Mm. had more of an affinity for water. And the Navy just sounded like much more where I was at than joining the Army or the Marines or the Air Force. So I joined the Navy. And my father was in the Navy. That might have something to do also. But I don't know. I just... I preferred the Navy, and they made me a good deal. They said, okay, well, we'll wait two years before you have to come in, and you get this two-year deferment. So I was actually, you know, I was training in skills that would be useful to the military as an x-ray technician, as a medical person. So it was a win-win for both of us. Once my deferment was over and I trained as an x-ray technician, I went into the military as an x-ray technician. I want to talk a little bit about some of those rescues that you had to make. Was there ever a time when your breathing wasn't what it needed to be, that you were afraid (laughs) underwater? I can't even imagine what that would be like. Was there an experience like that? Well, my first rescue missions were for myself. As a teenager, (laughs) I had several near-drowning experiences, got caught underwater, sort of trapped in a pool, and uh, one time I almost drowned crossing a windy lake and my dog was with me and kind of climbing up on me. So I had these near drowning experiences and I got the wind knocked out of me a number of times growing up. And so it seemed like life just kept sticking my nose in the breath, making it either a crisis or triggering something in my curiosity towards the breathing. And then when I became a professional rescuer, then of course, breath holding was really important. We trained in breath holding. Who knows how long you might have to be underwater or in a smoke-filled building, and so holding your breath is useful. 
And I realized that in those high emergency situations, when our heartbeat goes through the roof and we get tunnel vision and, you know, we're really in a panic, that getting control of your breathing is the key. You know, by getting control of your breath, you get control of your emotions, you get control of your energy, you get mental state management. It just evolved very naturally in me that the breath became more and more of a tool and not just sort of a, a source of information about people. Mm. I'm curious, how long can you hold your breath or could you <laughs> hold your breath when you were doing it professionally? <laughs> My record in 1972, between 72 and 75, when I was in there, was a little over six minutes, <gasps> which is nothing. Six minutes underwater? Yeah, but that's nothing today. Now you got people... You know, the, the world record is 22 minutes and 10 seconds. What? So, yeah. I'm in shock. <laughs> right. If a human can hold their breath underwater for 22 minutes, what else can we do that we think is impossible? That's what I love about this whole field. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I've heard you speak about how the breath has an intelligence all its own. Mm. And I wonder what you mean by that. And as I say those words and ask you that question, it makes me wonder, based on what you just said, what else can the mind and the brain and the body do? So what does this mean to you when the breath has its own intelligence? Well, it's like in martial arts and Aikido or karate and those things, there's a principle called one-pointedness, meaning when your mind and body come together, so, for example, when your hand hits a brick, your mind has to be in your hand, has to be in your body in that moment, right? So you bring your mind and body together, and a certain force emerges. If you hit a brick, and at that point you hit the brick, you're thinking about something somebody said to you, your mind is off wandering, you're going to break your hand instead of a brick. So there's something about that focus of bringing together mind and body. When you bring together mind, body, and breath, an even greater force emerges. And that's where I start to realize that hey, there's some kind of intelligence in the breath. When we tune into our breathing, we're tuning into the flow of life, the flow of intelligence, the flow of the energy in us. And the more aware we become of our breath, the more aware we become of everything. The more conscious mm -hmm. I am of my breathing, the more conscious I become of my posture, my tone of voice, the effect that I have on people, my, my situation, my surroundings. So when I realize that breath awareness leads to awareness of everything else, then that to me, okay, so we're tapping into some kind of a new intelligence, let's say. Mm -hmm. And maybe mm -hmm. an, another way to really interesting way to, to really catch it is, you know, those magic eye photos, when you look at them, they're just random geometric shapes. But if you, if you do something with your vision, if you focus in front of the picture or behind the picture, a 3D image pops out. Mm. If you look at that picture the way you look at any other picture, you won't see that 3D image. You have to actually, you have to do something on purpose and look at it in a different way. And then you unlock that 3D image. Well, breathing is, it's a similar thing on the feeling level. If I feel anger, or if I feel sadness, or I feel confusion, if I feel anything, or if I feel a cat for that matter, petting a cat, if I try to feel everything in the same way, I'm going to miss something. But if I can find a new way of feeling, I can unlock something that was hidden, some hidden potential. And breathing is that kind of, it's a different way of feeling. It's a different way of relating to your feelings. And when you do that, you unlock a certain intuition, 
you, you enter the flow state. I mean, there's, there's something about experiencing things through the breath or using the breath in order to become aware of things or sense things that unlock some greater wisdom in us or some higher mm. intelligence in us. You've written a number of books, including Just Breathe, Master Breathwork for Success in Life, Love, Business, and Beyond. And I imagine some of what you just spoke about is in there. But what else can readers learn from your book? Well, uh, in the back of the book, I have a 21-day challenge. I just walk you through about 21 exercises. The greatest learning comes from developing mindfulness. There's no arguing anymore. People who meditate are just, they're more clear, they're more relaxed, they're more creative, they're more resourceful. There's something about meditation, quieting the mind, and there's something about relaxing the body that allows energy to flow. And so breathing, that's the first step in breath work, is developing a kind of a meditative awareness, which has profound benefits. Mm-hmm. And it's also a way of triggering relaxation, which if you're sitting in a dental chair, if you've ever experimented, it's a lot easier if you're relaxing and not all tight and contracted, you can deal with things much more easily when you're relaxed. And certain things require us to dig deep and find some energy in us that maybe we thought we didn't have. And breathing does all that. It helps us to become more meditative, more aware, more relaxed, and it becomes a source of energy for us. Mm. Is breathing the secret to you living your best life? Absolutely. I'm a fanatic about breathing. I'm obsessed about breathing. And it's clear to me that I just do not suffer a lot of the problems that average people are struggling with. And I know it's because of our breathwork practice. Yeah. Mm. If you'd like to learn more about Dan's impressive work and even learn from him, you can go to breathmastery.com. Again, that's breathmastery.com. Dan, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been delightful to chat with you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And thanks to all of you who are listening. I invite you to subscribe and write a review. I love hearing from all of you. And may all of us simply take the time to take those breaths that can transform our lives and live our best life. Until next time, just breathe and be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.